Shalom Chavarim, I'm Stephen Benoon. You are watching Israeli News Live, and today we have by phone here Dr. Chuck Baldwin. And Dr. Chuck Baldwin with ChuckBaldwinLive.com, also with the Liberty Fellowship, uh, uh, MT.com. And uh, Dr. Baldwin, I had actually met him years ago, just a passing acquaintance there, but uh, I remember his days at Crossroad Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, he later in life moved to Montana, and uh, he made a lot of changes in his life, very much similar to the, what we've gone through as far as a transformation uh, on uh, prophetic uh, or, or more of yeah prophetic views, I guess is a good way to put it. And uh, so we want to introduce to you Dr. Baldwin and let him tell some of the story about his change as we go into a little bit more information on the broadcast today. Dr. Baldwin, thank you for joining us here today and taking time out with us. We really appreciate it tremendously. Well, Steve, thank you for letting me come on your program, and I appreciate so much what you're doing. Thank you. Well, Dr. Baldwin, I know you, you have, and I actually listened to a broadcast uh, just recently, uh, not to say it's a recent broadcast, but on one of the archive uh, uh, videos there, you talking about coming around and having a completely different uh, look at I guess what we would call modern-day Zionism, because there is a strong support, especially among the evangelical community, for the state of Israel. And I, I used to be right there with them, because being born Jewish, I mean, I love my own people, and but uh, myself also included, very much blinded and overlooking the bloodshed that is being shed uh, throughout the Middle East and different parts of the world as well, uh, all in the name of the state of Israel fulfilling biblical prophecy. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I was uh, trained and schooled in dispensational eschatology all of my uh, academic career. And so, you know, as a young man, I didn't know anything else. When I got into the ministry, you alluded to the work there in Pensacola, my wife and I founded that church in 1975, and we stayed there for 35 years. And God blessed it, and, and we built uh, an amazing work. <clears throat> and so for 35 years, I taught, I preached the dispensational eschatology doctrines, and that's all I knew. And I, I believed them, and I taught them. And then... I guess around 2007, a, a work of the Holy Spirit began in my heart, and I, I tell you, it was only that. It, this was not anything that, you know, some man sat down and, and tried to teach me, and, you know, well, you need to see a different point of view on this, and you know, it, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't watching other people's podcast or you know <clears throat> listening to the radio shows or or anything like that I mean I, I knew what I believed I believed it for all of my adult life all of my ministry I was you know pretty secure in what I believed and <clears throat> you know there was no need for me to to entertain anything else it was my perspective but about in 2007 every time I mentioned this subject of modern Israel and its supposed relationship to the Bible, something was was not right in my spirit. It, it was just like there was something there that that was that wouldn't set well, and I didn't know what it was. It wasn't anything dramatic. It was just a gnawing feeling in my soul that something wasn't right and it happened every single time that i would bring up the subject even in passing and so what i know i was thankfully i've been i've been in the ministry long enough and i've been a christian long enough to be able to know when when the holy spirit is is trying to speak to my heart and so i had to sit back and you know in prayer and meditation with the lord and you know, i said well what is this what is my feeling here what 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 is is it that I need to to do? And very clearly, the Holy Spirit led me to study the subject 
And when I say study the subject, I mean, you know, it's not like I hadn't studied it before. Good grief. I'd, I'd been trained in it in college. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd studied it all, all my life. But I studied it from one point of view, from one perspective. All of the verses of the Bible that I used were used as a justification for what I believed. I never searched the Bible independently and objectively for myself to to discover the truth, but I used the scripture to try to justify what I was taught and what I believed. And I, I tell you, Steve, there's a lot of Christians that do that. They don't study the Bible objectively to, to find truth. They study the Bible to try and justify something they already believe, something that somebody else has taught them. And so now they've got to justify what they believe, and they use scriptures to justify rather than to take the scripture to lead them to truth instead of justifying something that they believe. So I took the Bible, and the Bible alone, I, I put aside all of my study books, all of the authors, all of the materials, all of the classroom lectures, everything that I had compiled over 30 years of ministry on this subject. I just set it all aside. I did not look at it at all. I just went to the Bible itself in prayer in my heart and, Lord, show me the, the truth on this subject. And that took seven years of, of study and prayerful research with just the Bible and, you know, asking God every every moment along along the way, Lord, show me the truth, show me the truth, show me the truth. And what he began to show me, I got to tell you, shocked me. It, it It's really quite humbling to realize that at my age, in my station in life, I had taught a falsehood for over 35 years. And and to realize that is is a is a very humbling thing. It's it, it's it, I can't tell you how I felt when I realized, oh my god, I had taught error to people for all of these years and not just, you know, an innocent error. We're talking about an egregious error of scripture with vast ramifications and that was the first thing i had to get over steve was wow what have i done and then after you get past that then you have to okay what is the real truth now what if this is error you know i i have to unlearn what i was taught which was the hardest part of that whole equation unlearning something is much more difficult than learning something and so after I, I, I began to unlearn all of these things, then I had to start from scratch, literally start from scratch. You know, like I'm a freshman in college again. I'm starting from scratch to learn truth. And, boy, the, the laborious study that, that I poured into that, I just can't express. And, and again, I'm talking about a seven-year process. And so finally, over, over that period of time, I was able to begin to put together a biblical analysis of how the modern state of Israel relates, if at all, to Scripture and what does the Bible teach about true Israel and, and how does all of that you know, fit today so I, I was able to start piecing that together and able to start preaching on it in 2014. And in my church here in Kalispell, Montana, I, you know, I started very slowly and very meticulously, very carefully, bringing messages to the people because, like most, like like me, most of the people had been taught and schooled in dispensational eschatology. They didn't know anything else for, for the most part. So I had to to very carefully begin bringing them along to the truth. And so now here we are in 2019, and now then, you know, that the truth has, has been able to become settled in the hearts of most of 
of our folks, and, and they see the issue very clearly, and it's been such a glorious liberation, to be honest with you, that the entire Bible comes alive in a way that it had never come alive before. I mean, things make sense that never made sense before, and things that I had to stretch, you know, to come to these, these contorted conclusions that you have to do that when you believe in this um, type of eschatology, you know, was all gone. And now I was able to see the scripture clearly, and, 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 and it's it just such a liberation uh, uh, that it just has thrilled my heart and made the Bible come alive in a way that it never has before. And so now I'm able to preach it. I'm still studying. You know, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still putting it all together. But, but now I'm able to bring the, the truth, at least the essential truth of Israel and, and, and the falsehood of Zionism and the, the falsehood of the modern state of Israel and all these prophecy doctrines that are taught by men like John Hagee and so many others uh, that worship the, the Zionist state of Israel and to be able to see clearly the, the Word of God. So that's my story, Steve, and it's, it's really quite remarkable, and I just praise God for His Holy Spirit giving me the unction to study this and then open my eyes to the truth. Amen, Dr. Baldwin, and I really appreciate you sharing that as well. And I can only wish that our that we ourselves, uh, my wife and I, who work so closely together, uh, had have even picked this up earlier ourselves. And and in fact, I think one of the most striking things that parallel similar to what you've gone through uh, is that you know I had studied I uh, I had I did not go specifically to a university but of course I I did study Hebrew at uh, Pensacola Christian College I took the highest level they had there I studied at an Opan in Israel I also studied at a yeshiva uh, so but I've always had a desire to always want to know truth like you say you know and it's just the Holy Spirit that you want to be led by and not by uh, the different mainstream ideologies that are taught in different groups. And I, and I was able to see that even from the, from the different studies that I did. But what really opened my eyes, and I don't want to go into this right now because people really know about it, but just to share with you as well, was my wife really started sharing with me other Jews like herself that had exposed uh, the horrors and crimes that have been committed by the elite Jews uh, during the Holocaust and to bring about the state of Israel. And it wasn't like back in the mid-1800s where the, the Ottoman Empire was allowing wealthy Jewish families to come and purchase land and live and assimilate in the community of Israel, which would have been more like Abraham. He wouldn't take anything by force. He would only purchase what he had among them. Uh, so, but at any rate, that I think it's an incredible journey that the Holy Spirit has had you on, and uh, and of course, as you mentioned in studying the scriptures, we're seeing as well, even like the Book of Revelation. There's so much more that can be gleaned from the Book of Revelation that is going to probably stun most of the world, as it has ourselves, uh, in light of prophecy that um, we're going to have to totally rethink everything that, that we've seen. And, um, oh, yeah, no question. So, and I don't know how, how well the world is going to be ready for that. Uh, I just really commend you, Dr. Baldwin, because as a minister, and, and a lot of Baptist uh, people do support the modern state of Israel, and I support my Jewish brothers and sisters there, but one thing I keep telling the people now, as God revealed to me, the stage is set like it was 2,000 years ago. The modern state of Israel 2,000 years ago, if you want to call it a modern state of Israel, was connected with Rome, and they fought against sure. the believers that believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And we're set with the same stage once again today. Now, the Roman influence is not nearly as strong as it was 2,000 years ago, but nonetheless, uh, Israel has collaborated with the uh, the Romans to be able to move forward, and we can look at that even in a military aspect as far as using the U.S. military, etc. But um, what we're seeing right now, 
though, is, is a very dangerous coalition. And I ask the people all the time, what side would you have been on 2,000 years ago? Would you be on the side of the Christians in the modern state of Israel today, like it was 2,000 years ago, the ones that are persecuted? Which includes, Dr. Baldwin, the Palestinians. They're believers, and many of them, people don't even realize, they right. share the same DNA as the Sephardic Jews, which my father was a Sephardic Jew, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, and and I saw recently you, uh, or just not to say you did it recently, but I saw recently myself a video where you were really standing up for the Palestinian Christians, and I, I so rarely see that. Everybody is all about, oh, Israel, you know, the, the, the main theme is we got to bomb Gaza, we got to support Israel, and, and because we got all these terrorists. Well, I'm a suicide bomb survivor myself, and so I know what it's like to go through something like that. Have we ever thought for a moment what it's like what they go through? What what happens to the Palestinians? Wow. Dr. Baldwin, can well, you address no, this no, issue? No, we don't. No, we don't. The Palestinian Christians are among the most neglected and overlooked people in the world, and I'm talking by evangelical Christians here in the United States. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking one of the things that I, most people don't think about when we talk about this subject of dispensational eschatology and the and the preeminence of Israel in that theology, et cetera, is, is this. The common denominator and the focus of the Zionist, let me say the Christian Zionist, the focus of the Christian Zionist faith is not Jesus Christ. It is Israel. And I know that when I say that, there's going to be a lot of Christian Zionists out there that are, that are going to, you know, oh, that, that's what you just, that's, that doesn't make sense. You're, you're crazy. But, but I'm really not, because when you look at what they believe and the way they implement what they believe, if you were to take Israel out of their theology, they would not have a theology. If you take Israel out of their faith, they do not have a faith. Their entire faith system depends on Israel and, and the support for Israel. It is the central tenet to their theology. So that means that Christ is not the central tenet. Christ is not the common denominator. Christ is not the foundation of their eschatology or, or, their, or their theology. But Israel is. That's why so many of these Christian Zionists will fight you know, to the death to defend Israel. I've lost so many friends over this issue. I've had so many Christians, pastor friends of mine, that I've known for over three decades, you know, men that, that, that I had fellowshiped with and, and so forth that have just, you know, written me off and, and totally, uh, you know, designated me to the realm of heresy and all this kind of thing. Over, over my understanding and interpretation of Israel, not Christ, my view of Jesus hasn't changed. I believe that Jesus is the virgin-born, sinless Son of God. He's, he's God the Son yeah. and, and the Son of God, you know, whose blood shed for our, our sins on the cross brings redemption and salvation, who bodily, literally rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, coming back again bodily uh, you know, in, in victory and power. I am, I am you know, four square on Jesus Christ. That's not enough. If you are not in line with the Christian Zionist philosophy of Israel, then you are a heretic, and you will be abandoned. You will you will be castigated. You will be impugned. I, there are there are people out there on the internet who basically spend their their lives criticizing me and in trying to destroy my work. And trying to convince people, you know, that I'm an idiot and nobody should listen to me. Now, what would what would cause someone to do that? I mean, this this is a, this is a supposed brother of theirs, who believes in Christ, who believes in salvation, who believes in all of the fundamental tenets of the Christian faith, including the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And yet, I'm a heretic, and all of this time and effort spent to destroy me. Why? Because of my position on Israel. I'm telling you that, that this, this, this subject of, of Zionist Israel 
and the understanding of the so-called modern state of Israel has become the central focus and the foundation of the faith of these evangelical Christians today. They will fight for it like they would fight for the, for the uh, deity of Christ. Let me give an example, a practical example on that. Not too long ago uh, in my services, I played a clip of uh, Ben Shapiro, who is uh, an avowed uh, Jew, and he's, he's a conservative. He's on Fox News constantly. Uh, everybody knows who he is. And, you know, he is lauded and, and extolled by Christians everywhere. Uh, they, they they love Ben Shapiro. You know he he's right on abortion. He's right on homeschooling. You know he he battles the leftists on television and all this thing. And so they love Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is a is a Christ rejecting blasphemer of Jesus Christ. And I played a clip of him in an interview that he did not long ago, in which he iterated his blasphemy against Jesus Christ. And I, I made note of it. I said, now here's Ben Shapiro. Here's, here's this Jewish conservative, and then everybody, all the Christians love him, and all the evangelicals love him, and that here he is, an antichrist blasphemer of our Lord. Now here's Chuck Baldwin, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who believes that he died for our sins, rose from the dead. And, and, the, and the Christian evangelicals will embrace a Christ-rejecting blasphemer, Ben Shapiro, and they will reject a believer in Jesus Christ, but one who does not accept the Christian Zionist perspective on Israel, Chuck Baldwin. So do you see where, where, I'm, where I'm coming from, Steve? Yes. These people have become so enamored with the modern state of Israel because of their bad theology that they have actually made Israel an idol and they are idol worshipers. This is more than just a piece of real estate in the Middle East. This is more than, than politics. This is more than, you know, well, you know, we, there are friends in the, in the Middle East, and they're the only democracy there, and the Arabs are our enemies, and they're, they're, in, the, you know, they're in the camp with Russia, and Israel is in the camp with America. And so, you know, for uh, political reasons and for geopolitical reasons and for military reasons and all these things we must support it. It's much, much more than that for, for these evangelical Christians. Israel is central. It is foundational to their faith. That's why I say you remove Israel from their faith, and they don't have a faith. They don't have a faith. Their, their entire uh, eschatological doctrines and philosophies center on Israel. And that's why they are, they are absolutely empty without it, and that's why they fight so readily against anyone who would oppose it. So, so we are dealing with a, a deep spiritual issue here. I believe the issue is a, a satanic blindness over the church. I, I truly believe that. This, this is a supernatural blindness. That's the only way you can explain this, because this, the depth of it is so profound. The ramifications are so profound that this is, this is more than human understanding. I believe it's a supernatural work of Satan to blind people to the true nature of the modern state of Israel and the true teaching of Scripture relative to the to the nation of Israel. Absolutely, Dr. Baldwin, and you've brought out so many good points on, on this right here. And, you know, one thing that just comes to mind um, when we talk about the blind support for the state of Israel, and, and no matter how much I say it, you mentioned about Ben Shapiro, which is also uh, a strong advocate for Noahide laws in our nation. But before I get into that, let me just say this here. You know, I try to point out to people, as much as people might think that Prime Minister Netanyahu is, is some gift of God to Israel, which that's what his name implies, which he's actually has, he's, he's a, has a Polish name. His, his family changed their name to Netanyahu. Uh, but 
the thing is, here you have this man that supposedly is leading a nation where Orthodox Jews are saying that he's a reincarnated uh, Jonathan and that he is the Mashiach ben Yosef, which the Jews believe that there's two messiahs coming. Uh, they had to figure out a way to answer Daniel's prophecy is why they converted to this theology. But nonetheless, if Netanyahu is this supposed savior that uh, of all of Israel, which many evangelicals are believing, then pray tell, as, I just have to ask the question then, why is it then that this is the very man that had to pay the gay community to do their uh, gay parades in Jerusalem? Uh, I think now running 17 years they've been doing this with the complete support of the Israeli prime minister. Uh, he also enacted the worst abortion laws in the history of the state of Israel. Not that any abortion is good, mind you, but the, the mere fact that it used to be a lot stricter to some degree, but he went all the way to third trimester. In other words, all the way up to a nine-month baby they can abort. And this is supposed to be the godly nation. This is supposed to be uh, the nation where, as the Zionists are quoting, that the law will go forth from Jerusalem and that all the nations, all the as they would say at the Goim, all the Christians of the world were considered are considered just the Goim. This is where we are supposed to be blessed by this type of nation. I mean, Dr. Baldwin, uh, wh what has happened to Christianity that they would stoop so low and believe so blindedly such a lie? Yeah, you know, and, and I think it goes back to the, the writings of John Darby first and then most popularly the C.I. Schofield Reference Bible uh, that came into existence at the turn of the 20th century and became the textbook for most of our evangelical Bible colleges and seminaries for the next hundred years. I mean, when you look at, you know, the Dallas Theological Seminaries of our country, you look at, you know, I'm a graduate of Liberty University and Lynchburg, Virginia, you look at, at that school, all of the major evangelical colleges and universities regurgitate the C.I. Schofield, John Darby interpretation of an Israel-based eschatology. This has been cemented in the thinking of Christians for a hundred years, or, or almost, and especially, I think, since you know, Israel became a, a state in 1948, which, of course, was uh, they, they look at as a major fulfillment of prophecy, etc. But I think the next date on the calendar that really cemented this Israel-based eschatology in the minds and hearts of evangelical Christians was 1967, when Israel, no, they were not attacked by the Arab nations, they attacked a surprise attack against the Arab nations, and they and they took the the land of Palestine that we now know as the West Bank and Gaza, et cetera, occupied those lands since. When when that happened in 1967, I, I've I've concluded that that was pretty much the date when evangelical preachers became Zionists. I don't know that 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 the Zionist factor was understood or even uh, acknowledged until after 1967. But with the Six-Day War in 67, you know, forget the fact that Israel tried to sink the USS Liberty under the guise of unmarked jets, using French Mirage jets, trying to sink our ship to make it look like Egypt sunk the ship, and so bring America into that war with, uh, with Israel. Uh, something that the vast majority of the American people don't even know happened. I'm a real good friend with one of the survivors of the, of the attack on the Liberty, and he is co-author of the book, Remember the USS Liberty, which we carry in our bookstore. And most people don't even know about that. Uh, by a miraculous act of God, the ship did not sink, and, but 34 American sailors and Marines were killed, 174 were wounded, and it, it was one of the great tr cover-ups of, of, of American history. It, so that's kind of an aside. But af after the, the Six-Day War, then this, this whole prophecy um, 
idea of Israel, the modern Israel, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy and the Zionist agenda of, a, of you know, what now we know as the greater Israel, I think became vogue among evangelical Christians. And so from, from that point onward, there was no question about this theology. There was, there was, there was just the accepted truth from God's word, and if you didn't believe it, you were a heretic, and it, it, it entrenched itself in most of the evangelical churches and in most of the Bible colleges, universities, and seminaries around the country. So think about it, Steve. You know, we've had, you know, 60, 70 years at least of indoctrination into this theology deep-seated in the hearts and minds of the vast majority of the American Christian population. So that is what we are up against. And the evolution of that has become the kind of doctrines that John Hagee preaches when he says that, you know, God has a separate covenant for the Jews and they don't have to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, you know, we don't have to, to evangelize them. In fact, it's a waste of time to evangelize the Jew because they already have a, a free pass to heaven just because they're they're born a Jew. And, and, and Christians are believing this, and this idea is Genesis 12:3, blessing those that bless Israel, implying that to the Zionist state of Israel that was created in 1948 by the Rothschild family, and you know, completely perverting the teaching of Galatians, especially Galatians chapter three, uh, you know, which is I think a, an, a, an assault against the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, in which He fulfilled. Everything that God promised to Abraham and David was all fulfilled in Christ. And, and the seed that is spoken of in the Old Testament, of course, Galatians 3.16, is very clear. It, not a seed of many, but of one, and that's Jesus Christ. And now, through his work on the cross, the veil was rented, was you know torn asunder. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free. We're all one in Christ. You know, this, this fundamental truth of God's Word has been totally, not only neglected, but not only abandoned, but I think attacked to the point that, that, that evangelical Christians are laboring under a lie. They, they, the, the diminished work of Jesus Christ on the cross is, is what they are promoting. They are, they, are, they are, I think, missing the great truth of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. And now then, what do we see happening? We see this re re return to Jewish-style worship. You know, all over the place, churches are wanting to, to incorporate Old Testament Judaistic law into their worship ceremonies. They're, they're wanting to, to do the Passover. They're, they're wanting to go back to the the Jewish ceremonies, they're honoring the feast days and, 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 the, and, 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 the whole, and the holy days and all these festivities and things are beginning to uh, appear in, in church formalities. Uh, they're, they're raising millions of dollars to build a third Jewish temple. To, to do what? To have animal sacrifices. They actually believe that let's, let's return animal sacrifices to the temple. I mean, can you... <laughs> Steve, can we think of anything more blasphemous than that? The, the work That's of Jesus right. Christ, the Lamb of God, which fulfilled all of the, the types of, of, of the sacrifices, which all the animals of the Old Testament were nothing but a type of foreshadowing of the Lamb of God that was to be the sacrifice for sins once forever for mankind. Hebrews very clear on that. And we're going to go back to, 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 the, to the shadow. We're, we're, we're going to go back to the type we're, we're going to reject the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We're going to go back to, to, to a third to, to a temple worship, and that's what they're talking about with this third temple idea. I mean, we, he's going. You see this? You see why I say this is this is more than just a simple mistranslation of of of, of scripture. Uh, more than just. You know, well, you know, you have this interpretation. We have no. This is a faith system that is a false, and I would say devilish faith system that attacks Jesus Christ, His work on the cross, His deity, 
his his finished work, uh, the, the making of one new man, the new covenant, the tearing down of the wall between us, the creating of the church, neither Jew nor Gentile. It, it, it is a serious attack on the fundamental worked work and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I believe when I said earlier that this is a devilish blindness that has enveloped the church today. You know, Dr. Baldwin, there's so much truth in what you're saying there. And, you know, one thing I want to address, you know, we're talking about biblical prophecy being fulfilled or is it being fulfilled is the way they speak about it. There is one prophecy that, that, that comes to my mind on a regular basis, though, uh, that truly the leaders of Israel are fulfilling, and that's Daniel 11, 14. Uh, in the Hebrew language, we say, which is the sons of the violent of your people. Here the angel Gabriel is being told the violent sons of your people uh, will try to, to lift up the vision. Uh, but thank God, he says, they'll stumble. And that's what I do see in the modern state of Israel, that it's a bunch of warmongers is what we have and they're killing anybody and everybody whether it's the palestinians and they don't care if they're christians or not uh they'll they'll kill them they'll they'll ravish them they'll they'll rape the women i mean every kind of debauchery you can think of especially as you mentioned dr Baldwin, 1967 war um and there's so much of this that's never told by the people and 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 it's just it's really sad and uh um, and, you know, I, I can't help but think as well, though, as, as, as Jesus himself said, I come in my Father's name and you receive me not, but another will come in his own name, him you will receive. And that's what's happening today, Dr. Baldwin. They, they have taken another name, whether you want to take Trump or any other name or Netanyahu. Uh, they have, the evangelical community has really, unfortunately, has been blinded. Or even as the scripture says, Jesus makes a comment. If the blind lead the blind, don't they both fall in the ditch? I mean, Paul tells you in Romans that Israel is blind. Uh, and we find out in Revelation that the church ends up being blind and naked and doesn't even know it. And so we have the blind leading the blind. And as you mentioned, they're trying to bring on all the Talmudic laws, is really the ceremonial laws, and, and, etc. And most Jews that end up believing that Jesus is Messiah, we're trying to get out of that. You know, right. they don't think about that. We want the we want the freedom that Christ brought. He's the fulfillment of the law, and he only kept Passover. Why? Because he knew that the only thing that mattered was Passover. The only one we ever see him come to Jerusalem for is Passover, and then other than that, once he fulfilled it, that was it. And as you said, Doctor Baldwin, it's it's blasphemy for them to offer sacrifices. You know, and and. And they do need to be evangelized. If, if there's any hope at all for the Israeli people today, this is when the people should not be sitting there uh, bowing down to the nation state of Israel. You should be reaching out to the, to, to the Jewish people to try to show them the truth that God has given you. And, and Dr. Bowen, I saw you mention one day uh, in one of your broadcasts, you was talking about uh, Genesis 12 and uh, where... Where God says to Abraham, you know, I, I will bless you, and uh, you know, and and I will curse those that curse you. But you know, the whole point of this, as you mentioned it earlier, it's the seed, and Christ right. is that seed. That's what would. There's no only no other way that the world could be blessed but through Jesus Christ, through Yeshua, Yeshua Hamashiach, and and why people miss this. You know, I, I, one day, Dr. Bowen, I was invited to, to this Trump rally in Florida. I was the only news agency invited to cover it. Roger Stone was speaking. And at the end of the conclusion, the guy had no idea what I really believed or, or the things that our news coverage covers. But he tells me, he takes me by the hand. He says, kind of under his breath, so nobody else will hear it. He says, by the way, he said, I'm a hardcore Zionist, and so is President Trump. And I thought, okay, so you're supporting of the war and murder and campaigns and fighting against Syria and breaking the covenant between Laban and Jacob and everything else in the world. So what can we expect? Uh, I know we're almost out of time, but Dr. Baldwin, I really want to go, because uh, you mentioned Rabbi Shapiro a moment ago. 
And I know that he is one of the rabbis that is also promoting the seven Noahide laws. After the ACLU spent the last two and a half decades removing the Ten Commandments from our nation, uh, it seems like that all he's been doing is getting it prepared and to replace it with the Talmudic seven Noahide laws. Noah did not give seven Noahide laws, um, but Rambam, uh, who, uh, you know, any Jewish guy like myself would know Rambam or Rashi, you know, the mid-commentators from the mid, uh, well, he was the 12th century. Uh, he's the one that supposedly the, the, the law of kings, he preserved the, the words of, uh, of, of the great uh, prophet uh, Samuel, which he didn't need to preserve it. Samuel wrote us what the law of the king was going to do to the people of Israel uh, because they had rejected God being their king, which that's really Christ coming in the flesh, you know, to be king. And uh, But they give us these seven Noahide laws. And the danger of that, Dr. Uh, Baldwin, is the fact that it's the interpretation or the sub-laws in the Talmud uh, that beheads those Christians that believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people, even... even Christian ministers are beginning to become apologists for the Talmud and apologists for these seven Noahide laws saying basically that they're they're nothing dangerous, nothing to worry about. Uh, and you know, Dr. Bowen, I haven't actually asked you specifically about what your view is on the Noahide laws, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'm not as, as uh, expert on, on the subject as you are. But I have looked at them uh, casually, and I, I think I have a, a fairly good idea of, of what, what these laws are intended to accomplish and so forth. And, uh, you know, I certainly agree with everything you said about them. And I, I do believe that, that the idea of this is to Judaize the Western world, especially the United States, which is the leader of the Western world. And when you talk about the influence of the Noahide laws, and, and I think it's amazing because if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, but I believe that it was G.H.W. Bush was the first one to officially, as president of the United States, to, to honor and recognize the Noahide laws as, as the universal laws by which mankind should live. And then uh, after that, uh, Bill Clinton did the same thing. Uh, I believe G.W. Bush followed him and, and, and Donald Trump. Uh, Obama, I think, did as well. I'm not sure about that. And then uh, I know Trump, just not long ago, uh, had a ceremony in the White House in which he honored the Noahide laws and in which he, you know, pronounced that these were the universal laws of mankind. So, I mean, with, and acts of Congress, we've had at least, I don't know, what, three or four? acts of Congress that have, have, have said that Noahide laws are the universal laws, the man to which we must obey, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, we're talking about something that is extremely influential at this point. I mean, when you have presidents that are making official proclamations and you have Congress, which is making official resolutions to the, the Noahide laws, uh, we're talking about a major accomplishment of influence by uh, the Judaics to to begin to Judaize Western civilization. And uh, to me, the, one of the most dangerous parts of Noah laws that, that, that I see uh, is the fact that only the Jewish rabbis, the Jewish elite, are able to interpret the violations of these laws. Uh, and it can only be one, you know, just one um, witness, be a Jewish rabbi or whatever, who would say to, let's say, a Christian who, if he worships the Messiah, and I, and I read that in, in, in the summary that I looked at, that said that if a, if a Gentile worships the Messiah, that he has committed idolatry. And of course, idolatry is one of the prohibitions of the seven Noahide laws. And and if you, and if you violate any of these prohibitions, then there's only one punishment, and that punishment is death by decapitation. 
So if, if a Gentile worships the Messiah, he's guilty of idolatry, and according to the Noahide laws, the, the Jewish leadership has an obligation to decapitate this individual under the authority of the Noahide laws. And, and so I see, I see the, the exaltation of a Judaic court system evolving here in which, you know, people are talking today about, I hear evangelicals talk about, oh, we've got to watch out for Sharia law, we've got to watch out for Sharia law, Sharia courts, you know, I hear this all the time, this, this Muslim paranoia that, that evangelical Christians regurgitate constantly. But the fact is, what, what really is taking place is the, is, the, is the construction of the Noahide laws and the Noahide courts. The Noahide laws are no value whatsoever unless there's a Noahide court to, to enforce it. And, of course, that means anyone who is guilty, anyone who violates, is, is you know, the result is death by decapitation. Then I read, and, and correct me if you, if you think I'm uh, wrong on this, but I, I'm, I'm reading now out of the state of Georgia that our government has begun stockpiling tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of guillotines. So I'm saying to myself, okay, why in the world would our government be stockpiling guillotines? And if you know anything about that or if you know that, that what, that's something that's not really true, then please tell me because that's, that's what I'm reading. That's so then when I read hearing. about yes. that, then I'm, then I'm saying to myself, well, there's only one system of law that I know of anywhere in the world that would require guillotines on any kind of a massive scale, and that's the Noahide laws. So my, my point is I, I believe that what you're, you're warning about the Noahide laws is justified, and with my limited understanding of, of the Noahide laws, I find them to be reprehensible to not only everything that American jurisprudence is built on. You know, America is not built uh, around a, a theocracy in the sense that one religion is going to dictate the laws of, of, the, of the nation through force of capital punishment. Uh, you know, that, that, that's not. America is a constitutional republic. We have a system of laws built upon our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. And I, I see this, this system developing where that they're wanting to put this Jewish legal system in place, the Talmudic laws, as you alluded, in place, replacing the biblical laws of God through the scriptures, Old and New Testament, and eliminating our constitutional form of government and our constitutional laws that, that, that we live by as Americans in deference to this Noahide law, this, this rabbi-led um, Talmudic law, uh, you know, so that's in in a, in a nutshell. That's kind of where I'm where I'm at on the Noahide laws, and I'm I'm open to any uh, criticism or, or or suggestion on me how I may be a little bit mistaken on it. Doctor Baldwin, you're you're spot on on this, and I think one of the big dangers is that uh, a lot of uh, ministers that are actually speaking in favor of the Noahide laws uh, are. More so, they are Zionist once again, and because of so much political influence uh, by the evangelical community in the United States and in the White House, uh, I think President uh, Trump has had more spiritual advisors than any other president in history, and um, this is where the danger comes in, to usurp the authority of the Constitution of the United States. Uh, and to replace it with this type of law system. In fact, Congress just recently passed uh, a, a resolution uh, that if this ends up going before the Senate gets passed as well on an anti-Semitism resolution, uh, if you just go to the State Department's uh, breakdown of what this means, 
they're working right. on silencing us, Dr. Baldwin, to where yep. uh, you can't speak about uh, the Rothschilds and the banking system. You can't speak about, uh, you know, this is all their anti-Semitism ideas. We can't speak about 9-11 as an inside job or, or that there were Mossad agents that were involved in this. Um, everything about this resolution including these Noahide laws, will be put in there so that we can't speak about it. And then the next thing you know, uh, they're going to fully control everything, and we're going to be held accountable to a Judaic uh, governance in the United States. And I, I can't help but go back to something I saw on your website, Dr. Baldwin. I forget if it's, uh, I think it's the Liberty Fellowship website, where you speak about the Second Amendment calling on pastors to make a stand publicly. Uh, for the Second Amendment, because I think that's the one reason why we have not been overtaken thus far is uh, the Americans still have the right to bear arms, and as a result, that is a threat to anyone trying to overthrow the Constitution of the United States. And, Amen. And so they're they're working on that, though, uh, and that's the reason why I think we have the school shootings and other things like that in this country. And there's too much evidence. In fact, uh, the one happened here in Florida. One of the students actually spoke with us privately saying he was afraid to come forward, uh, but he wanted to come forward about it because it was multiple shooters. And so there just mm -hmm. raises a whole lot of question uh, as to why would something like this happen? And I know for myself, uh, speaking to one of Obama's Secret Service agents years ago, that they were looking for an excuse to disarm this nation. And he shared with me then, Dr. Baldwin, that uh, the, the incident of the man setting himself on fire at the uh, Washington Mall there, uh, as well as the uh, black young lady that had rammed the White House gate lawn that they shot and killed, he said these were done by the government trying to uh, rally the black community to rise up in a, in a revolt to have an excuse to disarm the nation. He said they were using skull-to-brain technology to do these things. And he said they did it in Benghazi. It worked there. And so now I think they're just looking for new avenues uh, to creating these situations. Or if it's a real situation, I, I, I don't want to be the judge of that. I'm not an expert on that issue. But uh, even if it's a real situation where someone loses their mind and does something like this, uh, they're looking for any avenue to disarm the nation uh, so yeah no question and these red flag laws I believe are a precursor to that I've been on the forefront here in Montana fighting uh, ardently against the red flag laws 15 states your state used to be my state I lived there 35 years uh, unfortunately is one of the 15 states that has passed a red flag law a red flag law, of course, allows the state to confiscate the weapons of any individual who is accused of possibly being unfit to own a weapon. No due process, no, no, no trial, no hearing, no examination, no anything, just on the word of a relative or maybe an ex-spouse, ex-husband, ex-wife, or maybe a, a bitter relative or a, a, maybe a bitter employee. Um, you know, it could be a neighbor who doesn't like you. It could be a policeman who doesn't like citizens having guns. It could be anyone just about who is able to accuse someone, this person is unfit to own a gun. I believe they're a threat to, to health and safety, et cetera. And on that accusation with with no second amendment no fourth amendment rights no fifth amendment rights uh, the police will come by force and seize the guns of that citizen and then it will be at least a year before he may or may not be able to get the guns back he ought to prove his innocence uh, his competence uh, in order to get his guns back i mean this is straight out of mao's china or stalin's russia and 15 states have already passed red flag laws. Uh, and right now, Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio and Donald Trump are trying to get a national red flag law uh, through Congress. 
I mean, to me, that there is no more dangerous legislation in America today violating our Second Amendment liberties and our God-given duty. I have a book. My son is a constitutional attorney, and we collaborated on a book called To Keep or Not to Keep Why Christians Should Not Give Up Their Guns. Steve? Yes, I don't think they like what you had to say there. <laughs> <laughs> it just went dead. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that's... Uh, Continue on. Uh, you you got to the part okay, you yeah, talking yeah. about your the, son. The book, my, my son and I wrote a book, To Keep or Not to Keep, Why Christians Should Not Give Up Their Guns. And this book is unique in the fact that it doesn't focus on the Second Amendment. There's a ton of books that focus on the Second Amendment, which I'm all for. But this book focuses on the Bible. We take this, the verses of Scripture in both Testaments, and we prove categorically and unequivocally that nowhere does does God through his word, demand that Christian people, or anyone for that matter, disarm themselves in the face of, of tyranny and oppression. In fact, we make the point and prove by Scripture that we as Christians have a duty under God, his natural laws and his revealed laws, to protect the life that, that God has given us, that life is sacred that God expects us to be good stewards of everything that he's given us, including our lives, which means that defending life is not just a constitutional liberty. It is a God-ordained duty. And most Christians and pastors have never even thought about it in those terms. And as a result, they don't have that, that fundamental spiritual conviction on the subject. And so they talk about banning AR-15 rifles, and I hear pre preachers get up and say, well, you know, nobody needs an AR-15, and if the government bans them, then as good Christians, you know, Romans 13, we have a book on that too, uh, we should give them up. And all of that is unscriptural and unbiblical. So that's why we wrote the book, To Keep or Not to Keep. That's why I wrote the book, Romans 13, The True Meaning of Submission. And if people go to our website, they can find those two books and we're trying to educate Christians on to, you know, the subject of true submission to authority. When is it right to submit? When is it wrong to submit? When is it right to rebel? When is it wrong to rebel? Uh, the, the Bible is replete with examples of rebellion against oppressive authority. If you want to take, you know, if you want to take that, that principle out of the Bible, then you might as well just tear up the complete book of Judges. And in fact, if you go through the entire... The Bible, you're going to find uh, story after story of, of God's people who rebelled against tyrannical, oppressive authority. Uh, some did it violently, some did it peacefully, but resistance to oppression is a biblical doctrine that is absolutely germane to the Christian today. So, you know, all these issues are issues that the modern pulpits are not addressing, and as a result, when the things that we've been discussing this hour begin to materialize, Christians don't know how to digest them. They, they don't know how to react to them. And, and, and I think the powers that be know that, and they're using these, this, this idolatrous, blind support for Zionist Israel to, as, as, a, as a way by which to defang, if you would please, the the churches and the pulpits of America, yeah, the, the 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 will to resist and and the and the knowledge of the need to resist has been taken away, and the churches have become little more than propaganda mouthpieces for the government, and I think that that's all part of the agenda as well as it relates to the things that we've discussed today about the Noahide laws and Zionist Israel and all these things. Dr. Baldwin, it's been an amazing time, and I thank you for spending even longer with me. And uh, friends that are listening, uh, you'll, I'll have links for you below, uh, including uh, Dr. Baldwin's son, Timothy Baldwin's book, uh, To Keep or Not to Keep, Why Christians Should Not Give Up Their Guns. Uh, I'm definitely going to order a copy of this myself. And 
you know, and, and you guys know I'm not one that goes around promoting much of anything, but, you know, when it comes to uh, Dr. Baldwin, the things that he's sharing with us, uh, even Dr. Baldwin has a, this, this DVD series, Natural Law, Liberty, and Government. Uh, to me, this is what true patriotism is about. And if we don't stand for Christian values in this country, uh, we're going to lose our country. And this is the way this country was founded upon these principles. And I know that there's those that don't agree with that, but it truly was. And I've read too many of the commentaries on this by uh, former presidents of the United States in the early stages of our nation, uh, all the way up to Abraham Lincoln, etc., so many godly men that were in position in this in this nation but uh visit chuckbaldwinlive.com uh and also the liberty uh excuse me uh libertyfellowshipmt.com uh dr baldwin's websites they'll be in the description below on this video as well and uh dr baldwin again once again i want to really thank you for taking the time out You've really shared a tremendous amount of information with us that uh, I do believe will bless many people today. Thank you so much, Steve. I, I've enjoyed being with you, and God bless what you're doing every day. Uh, it's great to know that you're out there, and uh, it, it's just such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very much. God bless you, my brother, and all of those that are listening. Shalom, shalom, friends, and we will be talking to you again soon.